Welcome to Behind the Spotlight, a new kind of podcast where we have real deep conversations with entrepreneurs and celebrity visionaries who are making their potential possible. They are all ahead of their time and worthy of yours. In life, it all comes down to building powerful and long-lasting relationships in a thoughtful, authentic way. We all see the highlight reel of successful entrepreneurs, so I want to take you behind the spotlight and show you who they were before they figured it out, how they broke through the barriers and found their passion. So I'm Beth, a speaker, author, entrepreneur, and a magnetic business mentor. I'm a huge believer in the power of potential to catapult your life and your business forward. So now I want to learn more about successful entrepreneurs, what makes them tick, and what it took for them to get to today. My guests are well on their way to becoming the best in their industry. Let's explore the sometimes torturous, but always interesting paths their lives have taken. So join me as we explore stories of some of our favorite people leveraging their past to make their potential possible. We'll be bringing you personal revealing conversations on Behind the Spotlight. On today's podcast, we have a very special guest, my friend Chitra. She is fantastic, and I joke publicly that I have a little girl crush on her, but I do. I just think her energy is amazing. She's a fantastic person, loving, powerful, and loyal, and I really appreciate having her in my life, and I can't wait for you to get to know her. So she is a weight loss and body transformation coach. She empowers her clients to break free of that quick fix mentality and uses her fit warrior method to empower her clients in their weight loss journey. So come and listen as we talk about her coming up living in Dubai, her weight loss struggles as a result of a childhood illness, and how she stood up for herself and her arranged marriage by waiting 10 months to marry her fiance before she moved across the world to New Jersey. Welcome, Chitra. Hey, I'm so happy you're here today. Thank you so much for coming. So everyone that's listening, we live like around the corner from each other, literally around the corner. But I honestly, how did we, do you remember, I remember meeting you coming to your house for a photography event. Is that how we actually yes, met that? that's how we met. That's it. I was doing a headshot event and you, uh, I think you messaged me the last, the day before. Cause I, I think it was a day off actually. It sounds more like me. And I remember yeah. I bought this beautiful necklace and if you, if anyone looks at my photos, if I'm wearing a black leather vest, that was your, that was your photo. I still use it because, you know, oh, I'm still, I know, I love it. It wasn't that long ago that I could still use it, <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. But you do, so you are not that person that I met so many years ago. You're oh just, my God. So much has so changed much. since then. <laughs> I want to jump right in. And I was wondering if you could tell me three words that come to mind to describe yourself. You know, I, you could use cl your client's words, but what would you say are three words about you? If I were to use my client's words, the first thing that comes to mind is inspiring, positive, and motivating. Was that a question? Yeah, no, that's just, I'm trying to think, like, I, I hate to say those words out loud for myself, but that's what I hear from my clients all the time. And what do you say about you? I say about me, I'm a, a constantly curious person who wants to learn all the time. I'm obsessed with learning new things, meeting new people, observing different cultures, understanding what goes on behind the scenes. That was not three words, sorry. <laughs> And that's how I would describe you as well. And you mentioned one that you know I find really interesting is, is your culture and your background. I'm always fascinated with other people's journeys. You know, my journey is my own, but I didn't leave my hometown. I didn't leave. I left Jersey for a while and went to L.A., which is considered sometimes another country. But I did come back 
uh, while I was in college uh, and, you know, and stayed here and married somebody from the same town. So mm-hmm. I don't have that span. And unlike you, you know, I stayed in some place. So I find it really interesting um, about your background. So you grew up where in India? So I actually was uh, born in India, but then I moved to Dubai. I think my parents moved when I was two years old. So I grew up in Dubai, spent all my schooling years there. So that was pretty much when I think about back home, that's where I think about. And then I went back to India for college for three or four years. And then I came back to Dubai, um, worked there for a few years. And then I got married to my husband who used to live in New Jersey. And I moved here and I've been here ever since. It's been almost over 20 years now. Wow, it's been a long time. I didn't realize it was that long. So do you remember back living in Dubai, what that was like, and maybe how that's different than you raising your two kids in Jersey? Um, sure, yeah. Dubai is a small um, city in, in the United Arab Emirates. So um, it's not a country in itself, even though it's so popular, people think it's an actual country. So it yeah. is <laughs> in United Arab Emirates, short for UAE. And it's one of the seven emirates there. Um, it is. It was like a small town. Like everybody knew everybody. You know, the the good thing is that it's kind of a blend for me for between India and I would say the West, because we had all of the Indian culture growing up with my family, um, but we also grew up watching all the American shows, the cartoons. Like I grew up watching, you know, all the Tom and Jerry and you know Woody Woodpecker and all those like shows. So I can relate to a lot of things when people talk about them here. Um, but at the same time, I'm as Indian as it gets because you know we also lived in a place where there were a lot of Indian families and we, you know, hung out together and we grew up together. So there was that blend of cultures, which I think was amazing and and when i look back like now i think that i think of myself truly as a global citizen because staying in all these different places just gave me so much insight into all different kinds of people right it's interesting because when i grew up there i wasn't really hanging out with the locals as much because we went to an indian school which was really an English-speaking school. So my English, because of that reason, a lot of times people, when I came here, were like, how is your English so good? How is your English so good? And I was like, what do you mean? Like, I don't understand. Why wouldn't it be good? Um, you know, but I went to a proper English-speaking school. So I, I think in English, to me, that's like my, how I think. But, you know, a lot of times people would expect you to, I guess, have trans, you know, moved from that lang- Indian language over. Uh, but I, I had Hindi as a subject in school, and I had to learn Arabic. So I can read and write Arabic. <laughs> I don't understand it as well. Oh, well, yeah. I can you read know. and write Hebrew, but I don't understand what I'm doing. Either. Right, right. Them. So it's, it's very interesting. I think it's really interesting that you watch the same shows as I did growing up. Like, that that's crazy? not a normal thing, like thinking that you, you, know, you came from a different country. that you I didn't even think of it that way. Did you have yeah. like a favorite TV show as a teenager? Um, as a teenager, I'm trying to think, now it's like so long back, oh my yeah, god, well, name a few was, that you watched and I'll tell you if I did watch I liked Family Ties, I liked Facts of Life. No, I, I didn't have those gross. there. I think they used to come to us a lot later. Oh, okay. So there was like the Wonder Years, do you remember that? Is that too old? No, <laughs> so that was one that I used to watch. Oh, what was that, the one with the girl, the robot girl? Oh my God, I don't remember the name either, but yeah. I've been watching that show a lot. That's so funny. Oh my God, I was obsessed with that one when I was a kid. So, I can't remember the name now. So you had a lot of American television. So, you know, did your love of fitness or 
nutrition start at an early age for you? <laughs> no, I had no love for fitness <laughs> or exercise. I had love for food and I ate a ton of it and I got fat. <laughs> so that was a lot of my, my first 38 years of my life. Well, actually, no, let's backtrack a little. The first six years of my life, I couldn't eat anything because I was falling sick all the time. I had like tonsil uh, issues and, you know, like sinus issues and I had a lot of problems. So I could not eat. So when I got my, yeah. What do you mean not eat? Not eat as in like I couldn't keep much food down because I was sick oh, every 15 days or so. I would have a fever or something. Um, and I don't, I, don't, I don't know if it was the first six years. I would say around like four to six maybe. And at six, I got my tonsils taken out. And then you were better? And I started to put on weight because I could eat. And I, <laughs> I was loving food and I was enjoying it. Well, <laughs> and my body was really messed with your relationship with food growing up. Um, I, I don't know that I was aware of it back then. This is just something that I have put together looking back. Because, uh, yeah, until then, I was, you know, I, I was just, you know, I, I don't remember not being able to eat or feeling upset about the fact that I couldn't keep food down. But I do remember distinctly that after my um, tonsil surgery, I was able to, you know, literally enjoy food so much more. Well, at least you got to do that. So that's good. Yeah. But still, that's really, I, yeah, I think that's really interesting um, because I was sick as a kid too. And mine's always my throat. So mm -hmm. I remember eating lots and lots of ice cream and being sick because nobody knew I was lactose intolerant when I was little. So oh I was sick all the time, but nobody knew why I was until I was much older and realized it was the dairy that I was eating. That's crazy. Yeah. So you said it a couple of times where then you got fat. Can we talk a little bit about that? <laughs> Because yeah. I, got chubbed. I was, I started being a little chubby, like eight, nine. That's when I started. Okay. Yeah. So for me, it was really, you know, after that surgery, starting to put on weight. And then I just remember it being a constant struggle. You know, I think I must've been about 10 years old when I first realized that I was, you know, bigger than the other girls around. Um, and then it was a constant, there was always someone who would point it out, right? And someone who would say it in a way that wasn't yeah. always nice. Well, my heart hurts already. Yeah, <laughs> but it's true. And I think, right? I think most people, what? Would you have a sister? I have a sister who is blessed with a super speedy metabolism and has probably not gone up in size since she was 10. <laughs> So, no, I'm exaggerating, but, but you know I what I mean. I also have a sister who was super skinny. She was sick also when she was a teenager. And hopefully really? she won't listen to this, but when she started, like, now she's over 50 and she started getting a little squishy. She's by no means big, but just not as skinny <laughs> as she was. I secretly was so happy. I was like, ah! <laughs> Oh, my God. I can't even tell you. My sister had the body of my dreams, and she was the most conservative dresser ever. Like she would not want to wear shorts. She would not want to wear short skirts. And I was like, what is wrong with you? Like you could be wearing all of these amazing clothes. Meanwhile, I'm like super conscious here because I don't know that I can get away with wearing those things and looking good. But she was like, I don't need to show off my body like that. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and you're like, but you do. Can, I yeah. was like, like, can you just do it for me so I can live by character? <laughs> you know? And exactly. then I can look ice cream in the corner. I'm so with oh you on that. I think yes. it's tough to grow up with a, a sister or a sibling that has what you want and yeah. not being able to figure out what worked for our bodies as a kid because growing up, we're around the same age, I think. 
Um, yeah. Growing up in the seventies, like that, that being skinny was it. And you were just skinny yeah. by not eating. There wasn't, there wasn't any other information. Did you get those, no. same, those same messages? Oh, absolutely. I remember my first diet was something where I don't remember what it was called, but I was eating these dry juice packets that I was dissolving in hot water Aww. with a super thin whole weedy crust, uh, crusty bread that was like disgusting. But I would do it in the name of, you know, getting to that goal and sacrificing. I was like, oh, I can live without, you know, and it just started that messed up relationship with food where, you know, you're just eating less and less and less to get to your goal and not even thinking about the nutrition um, that you're, you know, putting in your body. No, at that time, it was just all about being skinny. Who knew about nutrition? And no. also with, with, our, with our slow metabolisms at that time, we still could, you know, eat less for three days and lose five pounds. Right. Yeah. Five pounds of water. Now I know that. <laughs> exactly. So do you remember, were there like a time in your life that you can remember as being a kid where it really affected you? For me, my parents didn't acknowledge it really. So I didn't really understand I was bigger until boys started pointing it out. For me, um, I would say that there was plenty of people that pointed it out in many different ways some out of concern, you know, trying to help me. Oh, you should try this. You should try that. I've heard this really works. I've heard this is amazing. You know, in, in terms of like a particular incident that, you know, kind of comes to mind is, you know, I remember Diwali is a big holiday for us. And um, that's when we would, you know, there were, I guess, getting your clothes tailor-made is something that was part of our culture. Like everyone had a tailor that they would go to and get clothes made. Wow. It was just something that we looked forward to and something that we were always, you know, excited about. So I remember this one Diwali, we were all, you know, trying to figure out what we were going to get made. And we've got these dresses made, my sister and I, we got the same kind of, you know, we just picked different colors, the same kind of material. It was that, you know, totally like fluffy material that just expands on you. <laughs> and as a kid, I did not realize how that would make me look. And of course, my sister you know, puts on her outfit and walks into the room and she's this super model, skinny looking, uh, you know, person. And everybody's like, oh my God, that looks amazing. And, uh, you know, of course I loved it on her too. And then I put mine on and I couldn't even come out of the bathroom. I was like, this looks disgusting. Like, I don't want to come out. Why did I not, why didn't anyone tell me that this is not a flattering look for my body type? So, you know, that's definitely <laughs> one of the times. And it's like, you know, you get so excited about it. And, and then you think about all the money your parents spent on that. And it's like, okay, I got to wear this thing now and actually go around, <laughs> even though I know I look like a balloon. <laughs> oh, my God. How did you handle that? Did you have a conversation with your parents or your sister about it? Oh, no, no. We didn't have conversations back then. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about you, but in my family, no. We don't, you know, no. We just, I mean, they. I don't remember what they said, but I remember being very self-conscious about it and knowing I was always very self-aware. So I knew when I looked good and I knew when I didn't. So that was one moment where it was like, okay, I know this was a bad choice, an expensive, bad choice, which in the timing of it could not be reversed. <laughs> no, you had to wear it. And that's probably, you know, yeah, bad. that's that probably the only time I wore it though. Right. You're like, thank God I only have to wear this one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, affected you and really set you up for the next chapter in your life where, so that was what, like 16? So then around 16, a couple, yeah. A couple of years later, you moved to India for college. I did, yeah. So, I mean, I've, you know, I, the first gym I joined, I think was when I was around 16. 
So it might have had to something to do with that experience. I can't recall now, but <laughs> it's around the same time. So I remember the gym being called Slim and Trim. Oh. <laughs> and they had these machines that would move for you. Have you ever seen those? Like, no. I think they're probably in old people gyms now somewhere. <laughs> but you would lie down. <laughs> And, and or like in rehab centers right. i don't know they're probably in rehab centers that's probably, probably where they are so you yeah. lie down on your belly and then the, the legs actually move up and down the machine you your legs move oh, because yeah. the legs on the machine move up and down or you had the vibrating belt that would yes. shake your booty i remember the vibrating belt no i'm totally with you i remember going to weight watchers right before my bat mitzvah and uh-huh. doing weight watchers with my mom and my i'm five one my mom's five seven so okay she was always tall and skinny um, and I was like, but if I was five five, then I'd be skinny. Well, I never. I know. <laughs> well, I'm five seven, so I was still struggling. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I didn't help me. I have the same kind of memory. They, my mom, may had me. Oh my god, she had a taffeta, aqua taffeta dress with rhinestones trim, made specially for me for my bat mitzvah. Wow. Was, <laughs> I matched the tablecloths at the bat mitzvah. I did. I matched the tablecloths. And I looked like a house, like a definite oh house. Oh my God, I can so relate. Looking back at those times, like there's no, fo- I never took photos because I wasn't Thank happy God. when I looked. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, years ago I mentioned, I was with a, a, an old, older cousin and I was like, oh, I was such a chubby kid or I was such a big kid when I was little. And she was like, no, you weren't. I was like, oh my God. You didn't remember me that way. But I remember me that way. That's it's crazy. all about the perception of how we are. And when, when events like that happen and we feel so awful, but I had the same thing. My mom had the dress made. It was, I had, I had to wear it in front of all of my friends and all of my family. And I felt awful. Yeah. Wasn't happy with my life. And it sounds like too, like we just, we felt like once we got skinny, we'd be happy. And as yeah. we both know, that's not how it works. Nope. Because I got skinny many times, but. You know, I was yeah. temporarily happy, but then I gained it all back with interest <laughs> yeah, each so time. The cabbage soup diet and the starvation diet and the water oh. diet and the shake diet and all that kind of stuff. All of them. Did you yeah. really Up until my last one, I think, was the South Beach. South Beach, I liked that. I felt good on that one. But and I, yeah, yeah, I still gained it back, though, because I didn't work on the mindset piece. So I kept that off for longer than most of the others, but... It still wasn't permanent. It didn't feel like, you know, okay, I got it. Right. Well, did you, so you were in college and then you met your husband. I went to college in India, in Mumbai, um, you know, and that itself was an interesting journey because uh, my parents were afraid to let me go, you know, so far away for college. But in Dubai, there weren't that many good colleges at the time. So we had to either, you know, come west here or go to India. And of course, coming, you know, somewhere towards, towards Europe or US was too expensive. So I went to India. I stayed there for three years. Um, and then I came back to Dubai. And that's when I had an arranged marriage. And my husband, uh, husband's parents and my parents kind of knew each other through a mutual um, uh, family. And then um, they kind of introduced us as I was visiting India on a trip from Dubai. And my husband was visiting his hometown uh, in India um, from here. Oh, so he was so we met there. He was already here. He's, he had been here a few years already. He had come here to work. And he came back to visit. And I was visiting India. And they kind of got us set up and to see if things would work out. I had 45 minutes to decide if, you know, I found something awfully wrong with him. Or I was okay with this. <laughs> well, I'm freaking out. Like, yeah. 
<laughs> okay. So before we even get to that, can I just ask you one more question? Like, oh my yes. God. So where were you in your journey and your, in your fitness journey, your mindset journey and your weight loss journey meeting a potential husband? Like how did that factor in for I was up and down. I was up and down. I was constantly, since I was 16, I have been losing and gaining weight. So I was not at my skinniest when I met him, but I wasn't as big as I was after I had my kids. Well, none of us were. So I yeah. Yeah. Us. So in my head, I was my, the biggest I had been, but you know. Do you remember feeling a certain way meeting him because you weren't at the place that you wanted to be? Well, yeah. Well, let me preface that before I tell you with the fact that my husband and his entire family are super skinny. <laughs> yes. <laughs> entire family. Like everybody in their family has the metabolism of like a cheetah <laughs> and, and they can eat a lot of, a lot of stuff and get away with it. <laughs> so yes, I felt it right away. I felt it right away. And um, I felt awkward, um, you know, hugging them when I walked in, like, or like, even now, I still feel it to this day. Like, if I have to hug my mother-in-law, she's tiny and super thin, and I feel like this big giant going over <laughs> to hug her. Um, but, you know, it's just, I was always aware of the space I took up in a room, always. So I remember, you know, fast forwarding to now, once I lost the weight, just to jump into this real quick, uh, sitting on a couch and my son's coming and sitting next to me and us both fitting on that chair and suddenly being aware of the fact that we both fit on that chair. So I've like always been aware of the space I take. So the fact that we both fit on that was like mind blowing for me in that moment. So yeah, I definitely felt it. What? Is it good for you? Did you, Yeah. does body dysmorphia come in to play for you with that then? Um, yeah, and I think my first distinct memory of that is when I lost the weight um, in 2014. Um, and I was in the Livingston Mall walking in Lord and Taylor and I passed by a mirror and I was like, oh, I feel like I know her. And then I looked back and I realized I, was, I had seen myself in the mirror and I was like, that can't be me. Like I had body dysmorphia when I lost the weight because mm -hmm. I could not imagine myself being a smaller than I could see in my head. Right. So I think that's where I had more awareness of my body's like size. I had it the reverse. I guess most people feel it when they're no, not at all. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. yeah no, this I, was like, well, I was very conscious the first year that I lost the weight. I was super conscious of where I was going because I was like, not used to the fact that I was that small. Like it was yeah. weird. No, I, I don't think I don't think it's weird at all. Because when I lost <clears throat> all the baby weight, and I was at my smallest, I, I would buy clothes that weren't my size because I they would fit and then I would get home and try them on and they would fall off and my husband would be like yeah Why are you trying them on there I'm like well like, never, I never like trying clothes on that awful three-way mirror thing like I always brought yeah. I always bought it brought it home and chain and went back and he was like can you start buying smalls yeah <laughs> yeah like, that happened to me um, yeah. in express I was in ex express in the fitting room and I told the lady to get me a size six and she was like, you don't need a six. You need a, probably a two or something. And I was like, no, can you just get me the six and, and the four? We'll try both. And then I tried the four and that was falling off. And then she was like, I told you, you should have got the smaller size. I'm going to get you a zero and a two. And I actually fit into the two, I think. And I, it, it blew my mind. Like I was having a panic attack right there. I thought I was going to die because I was like texting my friend and my coach. I'm like, 
I just fit into a size two. Should I run or buy? And they were like, buy, this is so exciting. And I'm like, no, I'm running. I can't do this. I walked out of the store. I was sweating like crazy. It was insane. I find that interesting because that was insane and you couldn't deal, but you met somebody for 45 minutes and married him 20 years ago. <laughs> yes, I know. I know. It sounds crazy. But when you, when you are growing up in a culture where everybody does that, you are growing up thinking that, knowing that that's your fate. That's how it's going to be. And because I was somebody that I could never go against my parents' wishes or upset them by going out and finding a guy on my own, I just didn't have the guts to do that. I had friends who did. I had a friend who actually ran away from school and married her boyfriend and she's wow. still with him and they're still doing fantastic. He was from a completely different religion. So that was a bigger deal. I remember when that happened, my dad sitting me down and, you know, basically giving me in a nutshell, this idea that if you did ever, ever did something like this, I would die of a heart attack right there. <laughs> so like the fear was huge. Right. And then because of the small community, Everyone heard of it when something like that happened. So as, as a kid, you don't want to upset your parents. You, you want to do the right thing. Right. So, you know, I remember distinctly telling my dad when he showed me the picture of my husband saying that this is a guy that, um, you know, has the proposal has come through. And they used to send like, you know, literally like a resume with all his information and oh. his pictures. I've seen so I don't know. the Indian matchmaker. Have you seen? <laughs> yeah, that's every episode. Oh my God. So it's, it's, it's insane. But I remember telling my dad, I'm like, all my life, you told me not to go near boys, not to talk to boys. Now you want me to marry a boy. I'm sorry. I don't even know what boys are like. Okay. Like, how am I supposed to marry a boy? Did you so not just, date really beforehand? I did, but he doesn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> as far as he's concerned, I did not. <laughs> I'm a virgin, I swear. Like, no, but I understand, yeah. you know, I grew up with the messages, you marry a Jewish boy. And yeah, I remember going to college and having that conversation with other Jewish girls, and they were like, "You can marry whoever you want." I was like, "You can? What are you like?" Is that I was so ingrained in my head that that was yeah. it wasn't a conscious not choice. That was like, that's what you do. That's what you do exactly. So I just knew, like, my sister did that, my right. cousins did that, my friends did that. It was just something that was your. But what I did know is that I wanted to move to a better place. I did not want to go back and settle in India because Dubai to me was, you know, giving me a lifestyle that was way better than what my, my parents could have given me in India. So I just wanted that or better. So that was something that my parents knew. So when they heard about this boy who lives in America, they were like, well, she can handle it. Like she wanted something like that. So this might work for her. But my sister was always like, you know, my India, I want to be in India. So it was always, always very traditional. And, you know, she wanted that and she got that. So I think, you know, a, a lot of people are quick to judge uh, arranged marriages. But if you think about it, you know, when you, you know your kid better than anyone else and you know the family upbringing that you've had. So if you can find another family that has similar values and belief systems, chances are their kid will also have similar values and belief systems and will gel well with your daughter. Yeah. Right? It's still a chance. And I think it's a chance regardless whether you find someone on your own or not, because you're still taking a chance. And you're, when you find someone on your own, you're putting your best foot forward in the beginning. And then when things start to unravel, like any marriage, <laughs> that's when all the ugly stuff comes out, right? 
but if you're kind of grew up in similar backgrounds, then then eventually you can hopefully find um, a happy medium. That said, I would never put my kids through that, or I had to go back and change that. That's the one thing in my life that I would change is not have an arranged marriage. Right, making that choice. But thank, thankfully, yes. you love him, and he's a cutie pie. Yes, it yeah. worked out. Because <laughs> it doesn't work out for everybody. But it doesn't. Yeah. It's funny you say it that way because I married the son of my mom's good friend, but yeah. they didn't set us up. I take that back. My mom gave him. I met him at an event. My mom gave him my phone number. So it was arranged okay. that way. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if we had been more traditional, because, you know, I don't even know, I don't even think a hundred, not even a hundred years ago. And today in the more Orthodox Jewish communities, it's the same thing. I've, I've yeah. been at events. I've actually seen that. I've seen that meeting. And then the marriage mm-hmm. is at night. Wow. Is like, yeah. And, and there were a lot of, lot of guys that would move to the U.S. to work. And then they would go visit India within that 10, 20 day period. Find a girl, get married, bring her back. Oh, my whole body just yeah. got the Yeah. Like, so when I got engaged, my only, only question to my husband's family was, I don't want to get married right away. I need at least a year to get to know him, to get to. So we were doing the whole internet dating for a whole year, 11 months exactly before I got married. So I had enough time to get to know him. Oh, thankfully. And, and it's yeah. all working out because then you came here, but for you, you you were probably home for a long time because you couldn't work yet. I was home. Oh, that was the worst period of my life. Well, the wor- worst and the best in many ways. The best because I didn't have anywhere to be. Um, you know, so I, my husband and I got to travel and do a lot of fun stuff during that time. But at the same time, I was on a spouse visa, so I could not work legally in this country. So my, that's, that's when my love for the gym actually helped me out. Um, and I could drive right away, which was exciting because Dubai, getting your driver's license in Dubai is super hard. So when I came here, all I had to do was show them that license and they gave me a U.S. license. I didn't have to do a test, nothing. So I would drive to the library. I would drive to the gym. And that was it. That was my life. I had no friends. I had nobody I knew. My husband had a few friends and, you know, their wives were around. So we kind of started to get to know them a little bit. But I made my first friends at the gym on the first day that I showed up. I had one who was from Mexico. I had one who was from Japan. So I've always had like a United Nations version of friends, always. Right. Which I, I think that it comes easy to me because I've lived in so many places that I, I just can relate to everybody easier. But it's, I, th- I also find everyone so fascinating. I'm like, there's so much to learn from everyone out there. No, that's one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast because I want, I, like, we're friends, but I didn't know a lot of that story. And I know that yeah. having these kind of conversations, not only do I get to learn, but our listeners get to learn. And and fall more in love with you because I hadn't said it yet, but I do have a, a, a girl crush on my girl here. I just love your vibe and your gut. I just like, I want to say like, I love your guts. There's so much good about you. And you're, you, I've watched you go from, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't, I want to do something else. I don't know what it is to this empowered, amazing leader who, wait, didn't you do like an Ironman or a marathon? Didn't no, you? I haven't done any of those. I've done Spartan races. Yeah, Spartan races. And I've done a Ninja Warrior, a local Ninja Warrior competition. Okay. Yeah. But I know there's a journey up to that. Will you tell us a little bit more about that? Absolutely. And, and before I get into that, I mean, you have been a big part of my journey. Oh. Um, you know, from the time I met you, like you've always pushed me to think bigger and do more. So uh, I definitely want to talk about that as well. But yeah, I mean, so I moved here, um, you know, I remember... Uh, 
the day I got my work permit, I was like, I'm going to get a job and I'm going to get the hell out of this house. <laughs> um, so I looked up the classifieds. I saw this ad for photographer needed, no no experience necessary, you know, and um, all training will be provided. And it was live touch studios from Chattanooga, <laughs> Tennessee. <laughs> because that was the message they would have on their headquarters every time I called. <laughs> so I took up the job. I started doing photography. I was traveling to school, taking pictures. I always had a passion for photography. Um, you know, always happy being behind the scenes, making people look good and feel good. So um, I did that. Um, I, I worked a few different jobs over the years. And then I ended up starting my first business as a photographer where my husband really encouraged me. And he was like, why don't you do this? And he started buying me equipment before I could say, no, I don't think this is for me. And I started doing uh, family portraits, headshots, and, and that's where I met you at one of those headshot events. Um, and, you know, weight loss was still a struggle. I was still losing and gaining over the years. I think um, I probably tried 10 or 15 diets since I've been here. And after every kid, after my first kid, I lost almost all the weight. And then after my second one, I gained it all back and then some. And I think I was at my heaviest in 2014. I was 232 pounds and it was awful. Um, I was actually in the process of moving to Livingston in, at that time from Denville and we our closing got delayed by five months. So I think I put on like 20, 30 pounds in those five months because we were all packed up. Our kitchen was, you know, everything was in boxes and we were like, it's going to happen tomorrow. It's going to happen next week. It's going to happen next month. But it happened after five months. So those five months of eating out and, not working out because I had canceled my gym membership thinking I would find something locally here. And it just, you know, got long, worse. Yeah. That's a long yeah. time to be on hold. Yeah. Yeah. But we didn't know it was going to be that whole, that long. So we just kept hoping it would be, you know, the week after. And then I moved here and a friend of mine reached out and she said, there's this gym that's doing a 30 day challenge. Um, you know, you want to join and you get your money back. If you lose 15 pounds, and by then, honestly, I was so sick and tired of being sick and tired. I was done with diets. I was done with these gimmicky programs. And I was like, you know what? Nothing works. I'm just going to eat as clean as I know how to and just work out. I used to love working out. So I always showed up at my gym and did all the classes and loved the workouts. And I, that was something that just brought me joy regardless. So I kept it going. The eating part was always the struggle because I didn't know what I was doing. Um, so I just figured I was not going to worry too much about it and just think, you know, about what seems healthy and just go with that. And then I, I said to her, I don't think I'm ready for another program. I don't want to do it. And I went to the mall to find a dress for New Year's Eve and I couldn't find anything that fit or looked good. And I did not want to go up to a size 14 or a 16 oh. and it was depressing and <laughs> it was sad. And I remember coming home. And I had a friend who I was telling this to, and she said, I have a dress that might fit you, and I think it's going to look gorgeous on you. And you know how friends have a way of making you, trying to make you feel good. Yeah. So she gave me the dress. It was this black dress. I have it in my before and after pictures. Oh, I've seen and, it. You look pretty hot, just to say. Yeah, but see, I didn't see that. Again, it's perspective, right? I mean, oh. I thought my arms looked so huge that I actually wore a long sleeve T-shirt underneath so that they, they, that would, you know, the black would hide my, the fatness of my arms. <laughs> Um, and I wore the dress and I could sense how big I felt. And I, the next day I called my friend and I was like, all right, let's do this challenge. 
And little did I know that that 30 day challenge would change my life. And it really did. And you were, it did. You worked there for a while too. So tell us a little bit more. So you started classes. So I started the challenge. I lost the 15 pounds in 30 days. I went on to uh, lose 20 in two months, 30 in three months. And then it became a game. And I was like, can I do 40 in four? Can I do 50 in five? I started getting obsessive. I tend to do that sometimes. (laughs) And once I hit 50 in five months, I was at a size eight. I was super happy with my body. I was feeling good. I was feeling empowered. I was like, this is it. I've made it. And (laughs) when I lost the weight, the 15 pounds in the first one, they gave me a t-shirt saying I won the challenge. And that damn t-shirt fit me once I lost the 50 pounds. <laughs> so it was a tiny t-shirt and I'm like, okay, That's I even fit into the shirt. So now I'm done. <laughs> and I remember my coach looking at me and saying, give me another 30. You'll be in the best shape of your life. I swear to God, I wanted to punch him <laughs> and kick him down to the ground and tell him what the hell is wrong with you because I just lost 50 pounds. And you're telling me I have to give you another 30? And I went home and I sulked for a week and I was like, he sucked. Like, what the hell? Like, I just lost 50 pounds. I feel like I'm at my goal and I don't need any more. And a week later, I went back to him and I was like, all right, let's do it. So we started working on that. And I eventually in another four months, I guess, in a total of 10 months, I lost 80 pounds. I think I met you right in there when you're going back because I remember a photo of you wearing like a superhero costume in front of a crowd of kids. Yeah, that was fun. That was fun. Good yeah. times. Yeah. But I remember how but, amazing, um, you know, yeah. so it's and how um, how much it meant to you and how you were in. You were like, I'm all in. I'm going to be a trainer. Yeah. I'm going to help people. I'm going to empower women to see who they are because you finally were stepping into your genius, um, yeah. your superpower, how you connect with people and how you can really see what their struggles are because you were there. You and you figured out. I have been there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you know, it it still breaks my heart when I think about it to this day that people are still so confused about food. And I hate that our food industry and the fitness industry is so busy trying to make quick money that they're misleading so many people. And to this day, there are very few people who know exactly what they're doing in terms of nutrition. So my biggest, biggest passion in life is to educate women so that they know that food is not the enemy, that food is not something you hate, the food is not something you have guilt and shame around. You know, I grew up feeling guilt and shame all my life. I would put a freaking crouton on my salad and feel bad because the crouton was fried. Not, not realizing that I could have Ben and Jerry's ice cream in a fresh waffle on the beach with no guilt, not sharing a bite with my husband and kids and totally enjoying and savoring every bite. That's the life I did not know before I lost the weight this time. And that's the and and now, and that's the life. That's how I am now. I will go and I will savor every bite of every treat that I indulge in because I earn it or I burn it. That's my philosophy. Earn it or burn it. (laughs) I love that. I love that. But not only are you helping people because you're so passionate about it, but you are an entrepreneur, you know, which comes with its own set of shame and guilt and imposter syndrome you know how do you use the money oh my god that you've gotten to get you to where you are in your business yeah so I've been through it all I've had the imposter syndrome you know because think about it when you spent most of your life being heavy 
And suddenly you become this role model for people who are skinny or in shape and fit and lean. It, there's bound to be an imposter syndrome. So I didn't feel like I belonged in that leadership position, but I was kind of pushed into it because the minute I lost the weight, everybody wanted to know, what did you do? What did you do? How'd you do it? Tell me more, tell me more. And the only thing that kept me pushing through was my desire to help people. If I had no desire to help people, I would have gone into my shell and stayed there forever. But that's the only thing that kept me, okay, I can do this. I can do this. I got you know, I, and I would always say every post I made on Facebook or Instagram was even if it, I would tell myself, if it helps one person, it's worth putting myself out there. And eventually somehow I would get validation that it helped one person because somebody would come and say, Oh my God, that was so great. Thank you for sharing that. And that gave me courage to do another post. And that gave me courage to do another post. And that's how I basically built my business. You know, and it's, it's been a crazy journey of going from someone who is just getting certified and learning about the anatomy. I remember when my coach told me you should become a trainer. I was like, no, I think I'm going to be a life coach or I'm going to be a mindset coach because nobody's talking about mindset. And he was like, well, what do you think I did with you? And I was like, oh, yeah, you did. <laughs> and he's like, and that will keep you in shape because if you're a personal trainer, you have to stay in shape. So, oh, totally. yeah. So I was like, all right, that makes sense. And so I got my certifications. I remember even passing my exam and being shocked that I passed in the first go. Like, I was like, how did I do that? That was so hard. Like, I couldn't have done that. <laughs> but like, at every point, I doubted myself every step of the way. So I remember when that first conversation you and I had in the diner where you were telling me I need to get like five blog posts out by the end of the week. And I was like, what? You're crazy. And you know, I can't do that. And you sat there. I think we were supposed to meet for like a quick coffee for like 10 minutes. It yep. ended up being a two and a half hour conversation yeah. <laughs> where I basically spilled my whole life to you. You have this knack of bringing that out of people. <laughs> and before I knew it, I was like, okay, I got to just, I got to do it. I have to write five blog posts. I don't know why, but I have to do it because Beth said I got to do it. <laughs> and you did. And so I did. And that started my blogging journey. Um, you know, I came up, I think we came up with the name together. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we kind of laid out the structure right there in that uh, lunch. Well, you had such a passion and that fire to not go backwards and that I, I felt like you were looking for a space to plant your feet so that you could really so, like soar and take people on your journey because you did such a, like you, you didn't, you didn't lose 50 pounds and stop. You didn't lose 60 pounds and stop. You didn't lose like 80 pounds is a person. Yeah. And that itself takes such dedication, such like tunnel vision. Um, and I felt like the empowerment that you gave yourself was contagious because I watched, we would go, I watched you and I watched how people reacted to you. And I think you're totally right in saying like you would put that content out because it was raw, it was personal, it was vulnerable, but it was real and it was accurate. And that's why you connect with people so much. And even the pivot you made online to helping, you know, doing your group classes online. I keep seeing yeah. the testimonials and it's, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not a proud mama, but I'm always so proud of you, <laughs> you know, and I'm always because I see in their eyes, the, the power that you've given them back. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, that's very, uh, very, very nice what you're saying. And, and as much as I want to deflect the compliment, I'm going to say I'm, I'm learning to receive. So I received that. Thank you very much. And I have needed people like you in my life yeah. to encourage me. So 
I think that you were put in my life for a reason. And a lot of people like you have showed up in my life to encourage me because I guess the story had something in it and needed to be told. So, but it wasn't only the story. It was yours. It was a story you just told us because the guts that you had to say to your parents, I want to go to America and I'm going to marry this guy I've known for 10 months and leave everything I've ever known. Like that takes a lot of courage. There's this quote that I really like that I've heard recently. It's courage is taking your talent through the fear and into the light. Wow. But I think you That's embody beautiful. That. But I really do. I really think you embody that. And I have, oh, I've always thought you were special. And I'm so excited that everyone else gets to see how special you are. Um, wow. and, you know, you, yes, you help people and yes, you, but to, and yes, you do mindset and weight loss and fitness, but to see how you've created this business for yourself and what, and what you've gotten to gain from that is extraordinary as well. Ah, thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Um, you know, I'm learning all the time. I'm constantly learning. One of the things that I, I, I wanted to say here is it's funny because, and I hope that your audience will relate to this because Sometimes we don't see our strengths until we look back or we are put in positions of leadership or power, right? And I, I remember the one quote that I read that pushed me to put my story out there was if you, it was something, I don't, I'm probably going to mess it up, but it was something to do with if you let yourself, your light shine, you're letting, giving other people permission then to shine their light as well. And so, again, going back to my passion for helping people and serving others and getting some sort of joy from that, because my mother was always the martyrdom believer, you know, the believer of that. So it was always like when you did something good for someone else, you got applauded in my house. So that's something that's gotten ingrained in me. And when I look back, I see persistence because I tried to lose weight many times. I didn't give up. I see, um, you know, leadership because everywhere that I found a nugget of wisdom that would help me, I would go share that with everyone else that I knew anyone that would listen, you know, even if it was, you know, a spiritual piece of, uh, you know, an idea or um, anything that made me change my perspective, I thought was fascinating and something I had to share with other people. So when I found this way of, you know, eating clean and focusing on nutrition and working out, in a way that is super efficient. So we're not wasting time, you know, walking on the treadmill for two hours a day and not getting results, but we're being super efficient with our time and actually seeing a difference with every workout. I knew I had to share that with the world. I just, I owed it to people because people were confused and I had found something that worked so amazingly and the mindset piece of it tied it all together and made me feel good about the process, made me feel good about myself. I had not felt good about myself in so long I couldn't remember the last time I felt so good about myself but like I remember one small box jump in the gym it, I did that in the first month or two months and I jumped on a 12 inch box in the middle of a boot camp class and I felt like I had climbed Mount Everest and I only was able to do that because there were eight people around me screaming at me telling me you can do it you can do it you can do it and in that pressure I jumped I conquered what I thought was a huge obstacle and it made me feel so freaking empowered that I thought I could do whatever the hell I could put my head, on, head to. So what weight loss did for me is it took away all the excuses. I lost 80 pounds in such a crazy way and I feel so good about myself. I can't make excuses for any other area of my life. So I had to become a better parent. I had to become a better wife. I had to, you know, basically it was like it took away all the excuses in my life. I just... 
So even with business, when I had to go and speak to people about my journey for the first time, it was a group of five people. I was nervous as hell, but I knew that I couldn't let the fear take over. I had to fight the fear because I had fought so many fears in, in that journey. Wow. That, you know, I think that really, really summarizes you and, and what you do for people. I'm like, okay, where do I sign up? That's how I feel right now. <laughs> because I, I was, you know, who doesn't want to lose a little weight, but doesn't want to do, want to do it in the right way with the right mindset, the right fitness and the right nutrition. Um, I believe you are starting a new program very soon. Will you tell my, our listeners about it? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm super excited because I have wanted to do an online group program forever. I've dabbled in it a few times, but it just has not felt like the right program. And I know that this one feels amazing to me. So I hope that, you know, everyone out there will also enjoy it. It is, it's all about empowerment. I'm, I'm still kind of toying with the name. So you guys are like the first to hear about it. It's probably going to be called something along the lines of empowered weight loss or empowered warrior, because that's my brand name, the fit warrior. And um, it's going to have the three M's of mindset, meal prep and movement. So I have online bootcamp classes, um, that I run three times a week that are going to be part of that. Um, I have, uh, we'll be talking about meal prep, I will have trainings in there. Um, and of course, we're gonna, you know, work on that mindset so that you're always in this amazing, positive state of mind where you just love your body, no matter where it's at. And you love the journey of taking care of it. Oh, my so. God, and you're gonna love Chitra for taking you on it and being, you know, being in her, in her aura. <laughs> so you can find Chitra at Life. And on social, yes. it is on Facebook, Fit Warrior Chitra, on Instagram, Fit Warrior Chitra. It'll all be in the notes. Um, but yes. I want to thank you so much for, for sharing that personal story of your struggle. Um, I know you've shared parts of it, but I'm, I'm honored and frankly humbled that you really shared a lot of it with the listeners. And I think that just like me, you are going to have a lot more fangirls in the coming months. So I love you. I appreciate you. And thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for having me, Beth. You've been an amazing force of nature in my life. And I love you. I appreciate it. Uh, thank oh. you. Thank you. <laughs>